Teresa Zoe Williams, and this is Up Too Late. We've got a great seventh episode for you guys tonight. Okay, so one of my favorite things about being Catholic is all the saints. Today happens to be the Feast of St. Joseph, which is a solemnity in the Catholic faith because he's so cool. He was the father of Jesus and the husband of Mary. You've got to be pretty on point to do both of those things. God doesn't choose just anyone for that. God doesn't just give his grace to anyone to accomplish that, right? And this week, also, we had celebrated the Feast of St. Patrick. Amazing, but is mostly celebrated with beer and green things. And, you know, I'm okay with that. I am okay with secularization of our saints. As long as people are celebrating our saints, I don't really care. So in addition to these two saints, there are hundreds and hundreds of other ones. And most saints are patrons of something or another, too. So you've always got a dedicated person to turn to in need, right? So there's there's patrons for practically everything under the sun, every occupation and activity, for different foods, against calamities. There's even a patron saint for ugly people. As Catholics, though, maybe two of the most invoked saints are St. Anthony of Padua and St. Christopher for their help in finding lost things and their patronage of travelers, respectively. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've asked St. Anthony for his help. Have you ever heard this this prayer to St. Anthony? Tony, Tony, come around. Something is lost that can't be found. That's how the Italians say it, at least. Uh, And I'm Italian. Non-Italians have to say, Dear St. Anthony. Only Italians have the privilege to call him Tony. Which is funny, because St. Anthony wasn't actually Italian at all. He was Portuguese. My uncle Frank would have a heart attack if he found out. Every Italian family has a Frank, right? So this is the man who would make me baklava for my birthday every year, and insist that it's an Italian pastry. If you're confused, baklava is Greek. My Uncle Frank was like the Italian version of Gus Portacalos from my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Everything you love is somehow Italian. Okay, so back to St. Anthony. He and I are tight, almost as tight as he and my Uncle Frank. One time in high school, my youth minister spent an hour looking for his keys after a youth night and just couldn't find them. I, in all of my 16-year-old wisdom, suggested we pray to St. Anthony. And you know what? Bam! The first place I suggested looking after we prayed was where the keys were. And if you're wondering where those keys were, it was sandwiched in between two flattened Mountain Dew cases in a trash can. How they got there, nobody knows, but St. Anthony did. So St. Christopher and I aren't as tight as I am with St. Anthony. But we are acquainted. Every summer for vacation, my family would take a road trip. And we'd start every trip by asking for St. Christopher's intercession. You know, we were never in any accidents, and I was never left behind at a rest stop, so he must have been looking out for us. In July 2002, World Youth Day was held in Toronto, Canada. And that's only about a six-hour drive from my hometown in Pennsylvania. 
And so because we were so close, my diocese made a huge event out of the thing and took almost 600 of us from around the diocese up to World Youth Day. We were super cool because we were the largest group outside of Canada to go. But, you know, with 600 people all in one group, things can get dicey and everybody needs to split up now and again to go do their own things, right? So because of this, we we needed a way to keep track of each other. And the genius way that our diocesan youth office came up with was to give individual groups of us flags, identifying flags. Now these just weren't any flags. They were huge and they were obnoxious and they were bright yellow with blue footprints on them. You cannot miss them. You cannot. It was insane. You know, people come from all around the world for World Youth Day, you know, hence the name. And, you know, they're carrying their country's flags or their province or state's flags. And people would come up to us and ask where we were from because these flags are so weird. And when we'd tell them that we came from Pennsylvania in the United States, they'd scrunch up their faces and be like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I know. One kid, though, from Saskatchewan asked if we had a foot fetish. I kind of just scrunched up my face at him and walked away. As obnoxious as those flags were, though, they ended up saving my life. Now, I'm not just being hyperbolic here. Let me set the scene. It was Thursday, the day Pope St. John Paul II was arriving. My youth group had been staking out a seat 20 feet from the stage since about 8 a.m. It was now 2 p.m., just shortly before he was going to be arriving. And about six of us in my youth group had to pee. So at this point, we could still see the convention center from where we were sitting, and it wasn't very crowded yet. So the adult chaperones let the six of us kids go alone to the convention center building to go to the bathroom, get more water for everyone, whatever. So in hindsight, this was mistake number one. Who lets three 17-year-olds and three 14-year-olds go to the bathroom alone in a foreign country? Nowadays, if you see a kid walking alone, you're calling the cops in CPS. But these were simpler, stupider times. So anyway, the six of us trotted back to the convention center without a care in the world, and we relieved ourselves the way all first world country kids do, in separate gendered bathrooms with toilets. So this took us maybe 20 to 30 minutes in total to walk from our spot to the convention center, go to the bathroom, get some water for everyone. And when we stepped out of the convention center, the grounds were suddenly packed. A few thousand more people had shown up in these 20 to 30 minutes. We couldn't see our group anymore. We definitely couldn't see the stage anymore. You have to remember, this is before the, the advent of cell phones, before they became the contagion they are today. So we had no way of contacting our group. And so the three, the three 17 year olds, the three 14 year olds, you know, the six of us all together, if you could do math, we started panicking. We just, we didn't know how we were going to get back. But then, as though a beacon of light from God, we saw that horrid yellow flag just rise above the, the crowds. Now what happened next is shit only Catholic kids would do. 
We started arguing over which saint to pray to to get us back to our group and my mommy safely. I argued that we were lost, so we had to pray to St. Anthony, obviously. Drew, one of the other 17-year-olds, argued that we needed to pray to St. Christopher because we were traveling. Just imagine, like, two 17-year-olds in a foreign country arguing over who to pray to. It went kind of like this. We are so lost. St. Anthony is the only one who will be able to get us through this. But we're traveling. We have to travel through this huge crowd. Obviously, we need to pray to St. Christopher. So we bickered like that for a few minutes until Maria, the other 17-year-old, said we should just pray to both. Duh. As an aside, what they say about so-called incestuous youth group dating really is kind of true. Maria and Drew dated for a while before Youth Day. And then later on, after World Youth Day, Drew and I dated for a while. I mean, youth groups are a pretty small pond. But back to the story. Okay, so we prayed to these intercessors and then formed a human chain by holding on to each other's Mardi Gras beads. I mean, is it really a youth event if everyone doesn't have at least one string of Mardi Gras beads? And then we set out. So earlier, this had been maybe a 10-minute straight shot walk from our youth group to the bathrooms. Going back, it took us 40 minutes of winding through the crowds. And the entire time, that stupid flag stayed high in the air, ensuring that we wouldn't get lost. You know, it's kind of like Moses keeping his arms raised during the battle to make sure the Israelites would win. Or like Moz to a bug zapper. Whatever. So to keep everyone calm, we chanted, St. Anthony, pray for us. St. Christopher, pray for us. So imagine seeing a chain of unaccompanied teenagers weaving through a crowd packed like sardines doing a call and response chant of saints. Truly, truly, things only Catholic kids would do. But we made it, though. However, we were never let unaccompanied again for the rest of that trip. Speaking of things only Catholics would do, only Catholics would sacrifice their own good for the good of others. While we're finally getting a good hold on COVID-19 and prevention, it's still a threat. Do the slightly inconvenient things of wearing a mask, staying six feet apart, and getting the vaccine when you're eligible. Easter is closing in on us, so die to yourself a little and save others. Welcome to the show! Today's drink of the day is water! Basic, refreshing, and frigid, just like Lent. Next week, though, I'll be drinking something I know I don't like, but that many others do. Kind of as, like, a Lenten penance for the podcast. Pinkies out, everyone. And now, for a dramatic reading of scripture from the Book of Numbers, Chapter 16, verses 1 through 35. Korah, son of Izhar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and the Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab and On, son of Peleth, son of Reuben, 
Whew, gosh, that is quite the lineage. That means nothing to you and I. They took 250 Israelites who were leaders in the community, members of the council, and men of note, and confronted Moses. Holding an assembly against Moses and Aaron, they said, You go too far. The whole community, all of them, are holy. The Lord is in their midst. Why then should you set yourselves over the Lord's assembly? When Moses heard this, he fell prostrate, which means that he laid face down on the ground, all stretched out. Then he said to Korah and to all his faction, Wait, was he talking while prostrate? I think that would be kind of hard to do. Maybe? I don't know. I've, I've never done it. Anyway, Moses said, May the Lord make known tomorrow morning who belongs to him and who is the Holy One and whom he will have draw near to him. The one whom he chooses, he will have draw near to him. Do this. Take your censers, Korah, and all his faction, and put fire in them, and place incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. He whom the Lord then chooses is the Holy One. You Levites go too far. Okay, so what's kind of cool about this part here is that Moses is totally just leaving it up to God. He knows God knows better than him, and he's just fine. Okay, so Moses also said to Korah, because he always has a lot to say, Hear now, you Levites, are you not satisfied that the God of Israel has singled you out from the community of Israel to have you draw near to him to maintain the Lord's tabernacle and to attend upon the community and to serve him? He has allowed you and your Levite kinsmen with you to approach him, and yet you seek the priesthood too. It is therefore against the Lord that you and all your faction are conspiring. As for Aaron, what has he done that you should grumble against him? Moses summoned Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, but they answered, We will not go. Are you not satisfied that you have brought us here from a land flowing with milk and honey? to have us perish in the wilderness, that you now must also lord it over us? Far from bringing us into a land flowing with milk and honey, or giving us fields and vineyards for our inheritance, will you gouge out our eyes? No, we will not go. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, Pay no attention to their offering. I have never taken a single donkey from them, nor have I wronged any one of them. Okay, so this has got to be pretty cool, being able to talk to God so closely and intimately, like he's really just there. <laughs> it's like being berated by someone and turning to your buddy to say, get a load of this guy. So anyway, after this, Moses said to Korah, You and all your faction shall appear before the Lord tomorrow, you and they and Aaron too, and then each of you take his own censer, put incense in it, and present it before the Lord, two hundred and fifty censers. And you and Aaron, each with his own censer, do the same. So each of them took their censers, and laying incense on the fire they had put in them, they took their stand by the entrance of the tent of meeting, along with Moses and Aaron. Then, when Korah had assembled all the community against them, at the entrance of the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire community. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Stand apart from this community, that I may consume them at once. But they fell prostrate and exclaimed, 
O God, God of the spirits of all living creatures, if one man sins, will you be angry with the whole community? The Lord answered Moses, Speak to the community and tell them, Withdraw from the area around the tent of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses, followed by the elders of Israel, arose and went to Dathan and Abiram. Then he spoke to the community. Move away from the tents of these wicked men, and do not touch anything that is theirs. Otherwise you too will be swept away because of all their sins. So they withdrew from the area around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. When Dathan and Abiram had come out and were standing at the entrance of their tent with their wives, their children, their little ones, Moses said, This is how you shall know that the Lord sent me to do all I have done, and that it was not of my own devising. If these die an ordinary death, merely suffering the fate common to all humanity, that would be death, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord makes a chasm, and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them with all belonging to them, and they go down alive to Sheol, then you will know that these men have spurned the Lord. No sooner had he finished saying all this than the ground beneath them split open, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their families and all of Korah's people with all of their possessions. They went down alive to Sheol with all belonging to them. The earth closed over them, and they disappeared from the assembly. But all the Israelites near them fled at their shrieks, saying, The earth might swallow us too! And fire from the Lord came forth, which consumed the two hundred and fifty men who were offering the incense. And this, boys and girls, is why you don't mess around with God. The end. This week's top 10 is the top 10 patronages still up for grabs. You always wanted to be the saint of something, right? So here are some vacancies. At number 10, we have T. T still doesn't have a patron. Here in America, we probably think of Sam Adams as occupying this spot, but alas, the man was not a Catholic. But that means this is vacant for you. Although you might have to challenge Caitlin of Tea with Tolkien for this spot. At number nine is chocolate. What a freaking oversight. How do we not have a patron saint of chocolate? Okay, this baffles me. We have saints for coffee, for beer, bacon, even ugly people, but not for chocolate? Okay, someone get on this right now. Right now. Coming in at number eight is rum. You might be nominating me for this spot in your head, uh, but I can think of at least three other people better suited to this patronage than me. I'll just continue to be an imbiber, thank you. Number seven is pizza. I say we give this one to either Blessed Chiara Luce Badano or Venerable Carlo Acutis, because pizza and video games go hand in hand, right? At number six, we have bats. Okay, some call these little creatures the harbingers of hell. So those people obviously are not going to be bats patrons. 
but I say these are one of God's most exquisite creatures. Fuzzy bodies, leathery wings, and the face of a dog crossed with a pig, plus echolocation. These guys are just the coolest. So it amazes me that they don't have a patron yet. Who would you nominate? Let me know on Twitter. Coming in at number five is punk rock. I've never heard of a genre of music having its own patron, but if any should, it's punk rock. You gotta look out for all the little emo boys and girls and ripped jeans rebels. And number four is surfers and skateboarders. I group these two together because their subcultures really are pretty similar, and because skateboarding as we know it actually grew out of surfing. So we need someone to hang ten and pick up this patronage. A person named Ollie would be most appropriate, but I'm not very picky. Number three is naps. As an essential part of any healthy life, naps, napping, and nappers deserve a patron saint to watch over them as they snooze. Perhaps we could give this one to Saint Christina the Astonishing? She was in such a deep sleep that she was presumed dead, and a funeral was begun for her. But during her funeral, she awoke and flew out of her coffin into the rafters. She pray, she nap, she fly up and attack. Coming in at number two, we have late night talk shows. I think most of us would agree that venerable Fulton Sheen should be the patron of this spot, but he isn't yet. Who do we have to write to to make this happen? Someone let me know and then I'll start the petition, okay? And finally... The number one thing that doesn't currently have a patron saint is liars and fakes. I'm more than you bargained for now, aren't I? Well, that's just who I am this week, and next week, and probably the week after that. Obviously, I'm staking my claim for this one. Be on the lookout in the next 20 years for my memoir, which will be titled The Future Patron Saint of Liars and Fakes. Thank you, Fallout Boy, for helping me realize my calling at only 17 years of age. That's it for your top 10 this week. Just be holy, and then you too can have some random patronage assigned to you that you'll have to intercede on behalf of for all eternity. And now for our weird saint of the week, Saint Adrian of Nicomedia. Adrian lived in the 4th century and was head of the Praetorium under Emperor Maximian. He achieved this when he was only 28 years old. Really makes you think, what have I done with my life lately? It's okay, you've still got time. Or you could die tomorrow. Whichever. So, Adrian's wife Natalia had already secretly converted to Christianity, but Adrian was out torturing Christians. So once when he was overseeing some brutal torture, he mockingly asked the Christians what reward they expected their God to give to them for all this. Adrian was so floored by their answer that he instantly converted to the faith, publicly confessing it. He wasn't even baptized. I mean, honestly, what are you doing with all that grace God has given you? So he publicly confessed the Christian faith to a bunch of pagan warriors. So you know what they did. They immediately imprisoned him and brutally tortured him. Remember Adrian's wife, Natalia? To be able to visit him in prison, she dressed as a boy. 
While there, she asked him to pray for her when he got to heaven. She was also present at his death and comforted him as he was being executed. She managed to snag one of his hands and kept it safe as a relic. And do you know what Adrian is the patron saint of? Arms dealers. I am an arms dealer, fitting you with the weapons in the form of words. He seems to have been given this patronage as part of being a patron saint of soldiers and militaries. I like to think it's because his wife saved part of his arm. We celebrate Adrian and his super badass wife, Natalia, on September 8th. Special thanks tonight to the punk scene in my hometown in rural Pennsylvania in the late 90s and early 2000s. I would never be here where I am today without it. And also a special thanks to my guardian angel who probably keeps asking God for a change of duty. Thanks for joining me tonight for another episode of Up Too Late. You can always find me on Twitter at Teresa Zoe and on Instagram and Facebook at Teresa Zoe Williams. If you like this show, please, 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 pretty please, consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at patreon.com slash Teresa Zoe. God bless and keep you. Sleep well and have sweet dreams. May your guardian angel be close at hand and Mama Mary wrap you in her mantle. Go to sleep! <laughs>